0: Another exciting week in athletics, and it only begs to get even more exciting as the days and shows continue here on new report, old report. We are tasting and enjoying and drooling over the conference finals in the National Basketball Association. Week two in the NFL has been completed. So some teams, some teams, unfortunately, are already on the downswing of their seasons. It appears other teams were getting a good taste for and in major league baseball, that God awful bracket, that's eventually going to be finalized for a crazy and wild, wild card opening round is close to being finished as well. 17 way seven teams fighting for one spot. We're going to have just bedlam and chaos trying to get it together and then trying to figure out who's even going to make the divisional round. But we'll avoid that talk for now because as listeners know, For a long time of the show, we're Lakers fans. So, of course, we're going to start the show with the Los Angeles Lakers. And it's funny because we put off this show until Wednesdays because of this bubbles bright idea of playing every other day instead of maybe throwing in a three-day type of off day to make it a little bit easier for these teams. And I don't know, the postseason, and I don't know, the series right before the most important series of the NBA playoffs. But I digress. We put the show off in the hopes that We'll obviously be talking about something positive after a Lakers game and hopefully after a Lakers win. Well, we got half. We got the positive after game two where Anthony Davis drills a buzzer beater in the black Mamba basketball jerseys, put the Lakers Mamba on the Mamba, Mamba shot. shot. And then we get the follow-up game, a game which he pegged saying to all of us after the Mamba shot. I want to be in these moments. I want to take these shots. I want to be the guy, but then in the fourth quarter with the Lakers somehow coming back from a 20 point deficit and the game within some reach, he didn't attempt a shot in the final seven minutes and didn't get his first rebound of the entire game till five minutes were left in the fourth quarter. So unfortunately the follow-up game after the Mamba shot, not the best. The series now stands at two one. Because the Lakers lost, the question becomes, should the Lakers be worried? Are the Lakers in trouble? Despite those same media members saying, well, we think the Lakers will win in five, which means one of these games had to be a loss if the math is done correctly. But it still begs for bedlam because the Lakers lost game three. So after all of that, after all of that recap, where do you stand as a Lakers fan looking out and into the Western Conference Finals.
1: Well, first of all, to all of our fans and, and and listeners, we hope they're enjoying the NBA playoffs. Celtics and Heat going at it right now in a desperate game for the Celtics uh, as they look to try and climb back into it. Down six as we speak. A little rally going, uh, but in regard to the Lakers, look, you you win the first two games of the series. Game three for the team that is is. A, Killer be killed game. The Lakers stunk in Game 3. They had no business winning that game. Denver is very good. They smoked them in Game 1. Game 2, they had the lead. They gave it back. Then they stretched it out again. Then they went to sleep down the stretch. And the two big men went back and forth after the Lakers took an 8-point lead. Then they simply could not make a shot. Even though they got good shots, they couldn't make a shot. And they didn't get the ball to Anthony Davis for any of their shots. And then finally... When they fall behind, they get the ball to Davis. He knocks it down. Uh, The Joker goes inside against Davis, knocks down the baby hook, and then Davis finishes it with the great three-pointer. So Davis was terrific. LeBron wasn't very good at all, and the supporting cast was pretty solid. Uh, The two-headed monster, you need a good game out of one of them getting out of Howard. And game three was a stinker. Game three, remember, I know he didn't get a rebound, but in the second half, in in the second quarter, they were done. Until Anthony Davis took charge and started knocking down shots, and they went on a little run at the end of the first half, thanks to Anthony Davis to get within 10. They were way, way down and in dismal shape, and LeBron was sleepwalking his way through the game. And then they came, and Denver was playing great. They were the better team the entire game. And the biggest facet of that entire game was look at the Archon. They got doubled in rebounds by Denver. That's inexcusable. No rebounds, no rings. Coach Riley said it a long time ago against the Celtics. It still reigns supreme. With their size and strength, they should never be out-rebounded by the Rockets. And not only did Anthony Davis not need to be rebounds until the fourth quarter, Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, and Dwight Howard between them, which is approximately 21 feet of basketball player, had four rebounds for the entire game. The three of them combined. Four rebounds. They got out-rebounded tremendously by a Denver team that simply last night played harder. My guy from Syracuse, Jeremy Grant, was tremendous on both ends of the floor. Is he going to do that again? I doubt it. But he, when he has that kind of game and Morris off the bench to go with you know their big two and they get that kind of support from those two guys coming off the bench, they got a real shot at beating anybody. And they did last night. And they almost gave it away because they fell asleep. And the Lakers turned up the notch with the defense and they turned up the notch with the zone, Rondo with steals, LeBron with a couple, still the turnovers. The turnovers, the, turn, the turnovers in the first half and then down the stretch, LeBron, a terrible turnover and a missed little jumper in the lane uh, when they were on the way back. Down three, Pope, a chance to tie it with a wide open three. Great look, no problem taking it. Wide open. He had a terrific second half. He's the one who came out and got them back in it beginning of the second half. And, you know, was doing a great job defensively and scoring in transition. So no problem with that wide open. Look, one in and out. It's going to happen. They had no business being that close. They were down 20. They cut the lead from 20 to three in about four minutes with constant pressure, turnovers, and they should have been ahead. If you want to look at that, with the Lakers had a three-on-one, which they botched when Davis came, Rondo came down with Davis, gave it up, and instead of giving it to the wide open guy on the right side, Kicked it back to Rondo. He was not expecting what off his hands and out of bounds. That should have been a layup or a dunk. They had a steal. LeBron tried to push it too hard. That was a turnover right back. And then LeBron missed a little 13-footer in the lane wide open. Those are three, four opportunities that turned into nothing. If you take advantage of a couple of those, you're ahead. They didn't. They didn't have any business being there. The right team won that game last night. Denver was the right team. They played harder. They played better. Uh, you know, for 43 minutes, they deserved to win. They're a good team. You can't win every game every time. And if LeBron shows up in the next game, the way Davis has been playing with the usual support, they'll be fine. So no, I'm not worried. But they do have to do a much better job defensively against Murray. They have to go to some double teams against Murray. The ball has to go down inside more, even if they're playing inside up. Because what happens when you double team down low? That means when you double team down low, it either gets kicked out for open jump shots, Or if a shot goes up from down low against the double team with help coming, what does that mean? That means there's an opportunity for offensive rebounds. Because whoever is helping on the double leaves his person open and that person can attack the glass. Lakers got nothing on the offensive glass last night. They didn't take it their end of the glass. It was an absolutely abysmal performance. They lived off of game two. They tried to steal game three. Didn't happen. Denver was too good for that to happen. Now, time to clean up your act, get your Self in gear. Look at the film and find out what you did wrong. Clean up the turnovers on the offensive end and do a better job on both ends. You know, in terms of cleaning the glass, especially on the defensive end, because you can't run if you don't rebound. They got out hustled. They got out worked, and that can't happen again. And Frank Vogel will not let that happen again. And hopefully LeBron will instill a little hunger in the club and not let them, you know, rest on game two. Because last night I thought they rested on game two. And, you know, it happens. They're in the bubble. Uh, this was a game that would have been in Denver. Uh, instead, it's in the bubble. But I didn't expect to sweep this team. But I still expect to win in five. I expect the Lakers to win game four and then put the hammer down in game 5 I'm not saying a route, but know that Denver is hard to kill. And you can't let them up. Because once you let them up, they've proven. Down 3-1 twice. They've already come back from those deficits. Right. We said that
0: in our last episode that, they're not a team that you can take li- lightly, obviously. And the unfortunate thing for Lakers fans and for fans of the NBA, really, because I think in postseasons, this sport is the sport where you see this happen the most when it comes to teams. I don't want to say taking a night off, but just not having it out of the gate and, and they're listless and they look tired and they look disinterested. And you're wondering what's happening. You know what's what's went wrong from the last time you were on the court till now in the NBA. It seems like or it feels like we get that more than say football, where I mean, if you're in the postseason, it's one and done. Obviously, you better not sleepwalk throughout the game unless you're playing the
1: to weekend football. Right. You see it happen in baseball because of pitching, etc. A team will go out and just look listless one night. A really good team that get smoked, and then the night they they. they, they They come right back the next night, like the day before didn't happen. And in baseball, you know, so often it's day to day. Whereas in the other sports, it's not. You're you're playing every day. And even in the postseason, you play a lot of games back to back, which you don't uh, in the NBA and obviously in the NFL. You know, you'll when you're at home, you're playing games. You know, whoever's home, you're you're playing two games in a row. you are playing three games in a row. So you got to put it away and move on to the next game. Uh, In the NBA, you see it too. Uh, Yes, listless. The announcers brought up a great point last night when they were going back and forth after the Laker run and nobody could score for a couple minutes. Lakers, Reggie said, both teams are gassed. And the Lakers were gassed. Remember, the Lakers have the older legs, mostly veteran players. And Bill Russell said 100 years ago when he was doing games on ABC after he retired with Chris Schenkel, he always said repeatedly every week after teams would come back, now comes the hard part. The hard part is once you come back, what do you got left? Because you made the big comeback, but now you have to continue to press on, and you have to keep the energy up. And did you expend all your energy in the comeback? The Lakers expended all their energy in the, in the comeback. You saw them huffing and puffing. They had dead legs down the stretch. And it showed And, you know, the game a couple nights ago was also a strenuous game. They had the game one, they farted around, they gave it away. And next thing you know, they're in a dogfight. So maybe the stretch drive of game two and listless in game three, and then putting the pedal to the metal full bore, you know, for, for 10, 12, 15 minutes of real time and five minutes of game time, they were gassed. Got to clean it up. Got to clean it up. LeBron's got to be more energetic. And obviously, as I said before, Double teams come, rotation, creates opportunities for offensive rebounds, and get to the foul line. Get to the foul line. Outshot badly last night from the foul line by Denver. And another thing with Lakers, stop fouling. Stop fouling. You know, Denver's in the bonus in the third quarter with eight and a half minutes to go. Gotta stop fouling. That's another example of being tired, being lazy. Didn't move the feet, reaching, bad defense. Bad defense results in fouls
0: it's a frustrating game to watch. And one really with the Lakers down 20, you could change the channel and just read in the paper. What a valiant comeback they made at the end of the game to get it within striking distance before Jamal Murray just did what he does, hit a couple deep threes and say, yeah, it wasn't this close. Don't let this kid yourselves. We had this game won, So we'll see the Lakers play. do to respond. He's unbelievable. And it, it's He's funny from the outside in, you look and say, well, Denver has two guys. It's Jamal Murray and it's the Joker. One of the worst nicknames ever guard them, stop them. Let other people beat them. And as it's been proven, it's not as easy as you think because obviously that's exactly what teams would want to do, but they're so good at what they do. They can figure out what needs to be done to get other players involved. And as you mentioned, game three was a perfect example of that Guys stepping up that you, you didn't really hear from at all scoring 20 plus points. And getting them the win. So we'll see how they respond. And I know some people said, well, you know, this series could easily also just be a two, one advantage for the nuggets. If Davis doesn't hit that dagger three pointer. Yeah. But the Lakers also put themselves in that situation at the end of the game. Lakers
1: fell asleep down the stretch. They had no reason to be in that spot.
0: So they kind of saved the game for themselves. They should have won it. I don't want to say easily, but it shouldn't have been as close as it was. So that was on them. So we'll see. Series is right.
1: Series is right where it should be. Now, are we going to be 2-2 or the Lakers going to take charge? Are they going to take command? Are they going to impose their will on the younger? I'm not going to say, yes, less experience, but they got plenty of experience. They've been in the playoffs together. But are, are the two super-duper stars going to impose their will? And the Laker veterans have to play tougher and smarter. mcdee has got to play tougher uh, you know, at, 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 in the paint and smarter. Howard doesn't have plenty tougher. He's got to be a little smarter. Some silly fouls, a little too overzealous at times, but he's been playing hard, so no knock there. And, you know, guys got to make some shots. We always talk about guys got to make some shots. Danny Green's got to make some shots. Kuzma's got to make some shots. Kuzma's got to be a little better, a little more effective. Not worry about, you know, what his guy is doing. You know, don't worry about the fact that Michael Porter may be going off your guard. Don't play one-on-one. Okay, just play within the Laker office and you'll get your opportunities. You get wide open looks. You'll get layups. Run the court. You'll get dunks. Do that. Don't worry about facing up. Don't worry about going one on one. Don't worry about getting yours. You just do what you're supposed to do. Yours will come.
0: And try not to pump fake a three pointer when no one is five to. 10 My feet son said <laughs> that
1: also. That wasn't a that wasn't a pump fake. That was him going to shoot and then deciding, uh, do I really want to shoot this? Uh, it looked and like then,
0: he was going to drive to the basket and then no one was in front of him. And he thought, well, I don't need to drive. Let me just stop right here. It, it just like, came up. Uh, it, I don't know why they made loose. such a big deal about it. Just turn it loose. Just shoot it. Just yeah. Turn it loose. So we'll see. As you said, there's there's not a lot to get worried about at this point. The joke is, do you want the Nuggets to lose game four so they fall into the familiar and perfect 3-1 deficit which they've now overcome twice they would be right where they want to be as the joke
1: goes if you're a Lakers fan I'll take the 3-1 one lead 100 out of 100 times
0: we don't know what's happening as far as who will win the Laker the Heat or Celtics game so we can pivot to listeners <coughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure we can pivot to listeners favorite sport the National Football League which now after two weeks, you start to get somewhat of a taste of what teams look like, but this week marred by injury. Like we haven't seen terrible in, in, I don't know if ever star players, tearing ACLs out for the season, star players, ankles, shoulders. The list was incredible for who now doesn't have a season. And who now will miss five to six to seven games. Some are blaming the turf at MetLife stadium in lovely New Jersey for causing some of those problems. Some are saying that it's because there were no OTAs. There was no preseason. It's all these soft tissue injuries that you hope to build strength up over by getting in those reps. Who knows what to pinpoint the answer, but it's a damn shame in week two some of the stars that are gone now, one being Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants. Now he's on the terrible giants, but at least they give you a reason to watch the game. Christian McCaffrey, he'll be out for a month and a half, give or take, depending on how he's able to rehab just teams that were probably going to beg to maybe get six wins in those two instances are now looking at two to three wins just on that one player going down. It, it was crazy. I don't know if you've ever seen anything like it as, as far as the severity and the big names for those that were injured. But it was pretty jarring for this week, too. Unfortunately, that became the narrative, really.
1: Well, I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on TV. So all I can rest on is that number one, remember, we see, do see some of these injuries when in preseason. We always talk about the NFL, Jesus, the NFL. They, they, they lost this team lost two key guys three key guys in preseason games so it's not like we don't see it early on we see it in the preseason a lot where guys go out for the season with either two injuries knock guys out for the season an ACL and a torn pectoral muscle which I still haven't figured out how that happens but it happens um now we're seeing them during the first couple of weeks of the season you know, whether it's Barkley, whether it's uh, Joey Rosa. Um, you know, key guys are going down and they're going down early, and it's a shame. But it is the nature of the beast that is the National Football League, which we talked about so often in the past, where you know, in the blink of an eye, why you gotta get why you gotta get your money, because contracts aren't guaranteed, because in the blink of an eye, not only can you go up for the season, but your career can be over. Over. And or never be the same. And Hopefully that's not the case with Barkley. Hope that's not the case with Bosa. Out for the season, get repaired, come back. But that's why they fight to get the big contracts, fight to get the big guaranteed bonuses because of these potential and off-occurring, incredibly damaging, potentially career-threatening injuries. And they're brutal. It's a brutal sport, no matter how you look at it. Uh, no matter who you root for, no matter how they play it, no matter where they play it, in or not in a pandemic, it's always brutal. And you know the next play could always be your last because you don't know where the action is coming from. Eyes in the back of your head, you don't have them. Guys roll up on your back. Look at Thomas in New Orleans, you know, who, who is out because when they should have been running out the clock in week one, they're running plays and he gets rolled up on in the last few seconds by his own guy. And obviously sorely missed by Drew Brees, although Drew Brees is out like the same player. He looks like he's got a dead arm He looks shot. Just my opinion. I thought he was shot last year. Um, but you look all around the league, it hadn't happened to the Chiefs, the defending champs. My team lost to Von Young, uh, one of their excellent cornerbacks. Looks like he is, in fact, out for the season. But other teams, you know, they're, they're losing their quarterbacks, they're losing their running backs, they're losing their best pass rushers, they're losing their offensive linemen. Everywhere you look, guys are out for entire season, as you mentioned, guys are out for half a season. Mm-hmm. And, it, it can really ruin a team that's off to a tough start, like the Giants, 0-2, you know, like uh, the Panthers, 0-2, you know, just to name a couple. Uh, the Niners are 1-1, one one, but they've lost two defensive linemen, Bosa and Solomon Thomas, and they've lost their quarterback. Not for the season, he will be back, but out for at least this week, and who knows how long. So it, it, it's a crapshoot. It really is with these injuries – do I think conditioning plays a part in it? I do. I do. I think it always plays a part in it. But a lot of it is, again, the lack of contact. Guys, the veterans, old veterans would tell you that, you know, they, these guys don't practice the way we practice. They're not ready the way we were ready. We practice in pants, we hit. We were much more game ready when the season started than these guys are. Take it for what they say and for what you think it's worth. I don't know what's right and what's wrong. It's just always terrible to say. Because you hate to see a team get debilitated uh, basically right out of the gate, especially if it's a really good team. Now, the one that comes to mind for me, obviously, is the Niners, losing two defensive linemen uh, and their quarterback.
0: Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report.
1: Regardless of injuries or not, the teams to me that are clearly the two most disappointing teams so far are the Philadelphia Eagles at 0-2, beaten by the Skins, and then just blistered by your Rams, who you said were going to make the playoffs. I laughed so far. Arnox. Shame, Shame on me. Shame on. Shame on me. And the Vikings, I mean, hello, Kirk Cousins. Earth to Kirk. I mean, goodness, great. Do you see his numbers? What was his quarterback rating? 17? Uh, it was awful as they, they were you know, taken apart by the Colts. So to me, those are clearly the two most disappointing teams. I thought the Eagles would contend for a wild card, but I didn't pick them to be one of the wild cards. And I believe if memory serves me correct, I think I did pick – the Vikings for one of the wild cards, but they're in desperate straits. Both of them already between hideous play. Yes, there's an, there's the extra wild card team, but they don't look anything remotely resembling resembling like playoff teams after two games.
0: Well, and this is a great example of look what happens when you get rid of your best players because you either don't want to pay them or you don't think you need them. And the two biggest examples of that to piggy off what you said is Stefan Diggs is a star on the Minnesota Vikings. Make, Kirk, makes Kirk Cousins look good. Makes Adam Thielen look good. Makes their running back game in, incredible. They get rid of him. He goes to the Bills. Bills are 2-0. and oh. Josh Allen looks like a very good quarterback. Rewind that. Take the 15 seconds. Go ahead. Josh Allen looks like a very good quarterback. Maybe it helps looks, to have looks, somebody like looks. that. That's okay. He made Kirk Cousins look like a good quarterback, too. Maybe it's looks, nice can, if somebody looks, can catch the can, ball. Looks can be the same. They can. Looks can be the same. But it does help he to does have it. somebody to catch the football. I'm just saying, in that example. So, two and oh, and two for the Vikings. You look over at the Houston Texans a team that as a Deshaun Watson fan, I, I want to see do well, but a team that it's hard to expect success from in this bill O'Brien era in this JJ watt era, they get rid of their best wide receiver. Deandre Hopkins. We'll be fine. We have, we have Deshaun Watson and we have weapons. Now they very well might end up fine once they start figuring things out, but they're 0 two to start the season the Arizona Cardinals, where DeAndre Hopkins ends up, do not. I mean, it's so easy to say you don't need to overpay for running backs. It's easier to also say you don't need to overpay for wide receivers if you have the right quarterback under center. Take the Packers, they don't do anything in the draft for a wide receiver. Aaron Rodgers is on the Aaron Rodgers FU tour to start the season because of that narrative. He's been flawless to an O Packers. But it doesn't always work out perfectly or how you hope it will. And sometimes you you unfortunately have to bite the bullet and then hope it works in your favor. I think Deshaun Watson would love to have DeAndre Hopkins as a wide receiver. I think DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the game despite what any other name somebody'll throw out to you. That's nice. I'll take DeAndre Hopkins. Look yeah, what he did before Deshaun Watson. Same numbers with dogs on the Texans before they got Deshaun Watson. But it it just begs the question for these teams. I get the numbers. I get the contracts. I get the the salary cap. I get the money. I get all the stuff that you have to contend with. But sometimes you can't be too overconfident in what a piece of paper says you should do and maybe move forward with what you have. And granted, both those teams, for the examples, the Texans and the Vikings, might figure things out. But at this point in the season, especially for the Vikings, they look awful. And you got teams in your division that you can't afford to have to catch up to. You think you're going to catch Aaron Rodgers the way the Vikings are playing right now? I don't think so. And
1: if you're well, the, the Texans, it's just, just a swing you, of you, let's, you, let's, let's never you've got be the, good. You've, you've got the Bears at 2-0 oh, who stole game one. Um, so, and of course the Lions at 0-2, no surprise there, uh, after the Bears, you know, they should be 1-1 one one after the Bears stole the first game, but they should both be 1-1. One and one. Um, so I think the Vikings will make some hay in their division because, you know, they've got those two teams, uh, but the Packers clearly look like the class of that division, uh, as they were last year. Whether they can step up with the big physical boys remains to be seen, but, you know, Dallas steals a game, plain and simple. Steals oh, a game from from the Falcons, who you know, as always, as usual, just find ways to fritter away games. <laughs> you know, forget about the onside kick. Just the fact that they were that far ahead with so little time to play, and could not find a way to seal the deal there, and you know, their defense just basically rolls over and curls up you know, in a ball, and they find a way to lose the game. Which was remarkable. That game was over; it was done, and it, I, I just—it's unfathomable. It's great, Arthur, that was, Arthur, a Arthur, Arthur, Arthur pulling, was a great onside kick. Arthur Blank has to be pulling. is a great onside kick. It's a great onside onside kick by uh, I believe it was Greg the uh who kicked it, you know, without a tee. and Atlanta watched it. And if you listen to some people, yes, it made it great. Some guys actually say who played. That some of those guys who watched it did exactly what they were supposed to do because they're instructed not to get it. Terrible. They're instructed to block for Julio Jones. Terrible. And Julio Jones was the one who should have went and got the ball. And if they go get the ball, they get yelled at. We saw what happened a couple of years ago with Green Bay when the up guy tried to catch the hop on the short onside kick, and he was vilified for making the attempt to catch it, bounced off him. Seattle recovers it. Rest is history. He was supposed to let it go into the hands of the actual receiving guy. Well, here, while that ball's rolling around, uh, they don't realize probably, maybe, I don't know, that they can't just hop on it and they wait and they wait and they wait while they block. And you're waiting for their guy. And their guy, Julio Jones shows up too late, too late. Dallas ball first down, Greg Delang, another loss for Atlanta.
0: No redeeming qualities for the Atlanta Falcons. It's incredible that Dan Quinn has made it this long. Having a job after, after the Super Bowl, really, is when you could argue, all right, I understand where our franchise is, where it's gone since that moment, since that blown Patriots game. You, you look at the talent that they have, and it's incredible. I can't, believe he, was,
1: can't it. believe he was not fired after last year.
0: No. Can't believe it. Can't doesn't believe. make any sense. And I understand the reasoning now. Oh, it's only two games. But hey, if you're not doing anything after two games and everyone can see that you're not doing anything after two games, teams need to make decisions whether or not it's after two games. If you look at the New York Jets and think that Adam Gaze Must did, we? did everything that he could do in week two, playing a 49ers team that, as you mentioned, lost two star players stars, a little strong for Jimmy G, but just bear with me to injury. They had several other guys out already. Richard Sherman being one of them again, maybe not the star that he once was, but bear with me. And you get blown off the field, your own field. You score six points. What are you doing? Adam Gase? It's Nothing a, it's is what an he's embarrassment. doing. So how do it's you keep a job? Get him right, out of there right
1: now, right now. The football giants under their their new coach, and the New York Jets under their second year coach, are a nightmare. They are lucky it's a pandemic, and that no fans could go, because no fans would go. That's how bad the New York Giants and the New York Jets are. They're unwatchable on TV. You can't watch it. Got to turn. You got you to you turn away. I feel terrible. Uh, for Sam, I am. Uh, I thought he was the best quarterback in that draft, and he is basically. I mean, he's 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 afloat out there, you know. He, he he's Tom Hanks. Uh, you know, he he's marooned, he's stuck on an island, and it it it's there's everywhere you look, there's no way out. You know, he's Kevin Costner. There's no way out. There's no way out. He's trapped. Trapped. Sam Darno is trapped on a moribund franchise. And And these aren't the same old Jets. These Jets suck. These Jets blow. They've done nothing to improve this team. Nothing. Including the coach they brought in. All the multitude of coaches they could have brought in. This is what they came up with? Adam Gaze? Last year they were a train wreck. This year they're a mess absolute mess. Sam Darnold, Ben Gazzara, running for his life. Young listeners, look it up. Run for Your Life. Great TV show when I was uh, much younger than my young partner. um, Starring Ben Gazzara. And this poor kid is, you know, going to get beat up and is not going to make any progress and it's going to be one of those draft picks where you say, was it a mistake? No, it wasn't a mistake. We're never going to get to find out if it was a mistake because he is with an awful franchise, awful coaching, and awful personnel. You can't overcome that as a quarterback. Bell has been a complete bust, total and complete bust as a Jet, total and complete bust. The supposed best all around and running back running back, uh, when he's with the Steelers, sits out the seasons. season, signs with the Jets, and is a total bust. Done nothing. He's done nothing. Absolutely nothing. And a couple- he's still sitting out. He's <laughs> playing like
0: he's still sitting out. Hamstrings, which he said on Twitter were perfectly fine. You didn't have to worry about them. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's El Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And then a couple hours away, you've got Carson Wentz walking off the field to booze in Philadelphia in an empty stadium. The guy pumping in the crowd music, pumped in the booze for his own quarterback. He wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong.
1: But can you imagine? Have we seen the best of Carson Wentz already.
0: It's hard to... Argue in favor of Carson Wentz. And it's a shame to even say that because he was freaking great the season they ended up winning the Super Bowl. And it, it's surprising that you have to add the addendum of, well, he didn't play. He got hurt. Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. Wait, what? Nick Foles beat the Patriots? Carson Wentz was playing so well that it wouldn't have been too much of a shock for him to go to win a Super Bowl that year. I don't know what's happened. I don't know who's happened. I, I know that they deal with injuries at unfortunate positions in Philadelphia for the past couple of years, especially on the offensive line, et cetera. But the unfortunate counter to that is, yeah, so does everybody else a lot of the time too. And they're able to figure it out at some point. He, has not, the weeks, same he has not been able to figure it out. He, he, he's not. And he, he takes too long to throw, which you cannot do with a terrible offensive line. It's ugly to watch, unfortunately. And unfortunately for him, you know, he, he's up and down last year. Okay. This and that. Then the team goes out and they draft Jalen hurts right out of the gate in the NFL draft. So now not only are you playing to try and become better, you're playing for your job. You're playing like the guy on the basketball court. When the whistle blows, you look over at the scores table to see if you're going to get taken out. I don't think we're there yet, but we're getting close. And Philadelphia fans, as you mentioned, thank God they're not in the stadium because outside the stadium already, the whispers and the screams are starting for put in hurts. Let's see what he's got. It's a terrible situation
1: for the Phil yeah, too early for that. But as, as a whole, they've been incredibly disappointed. Now they're banged up. They always seem to be banged up, but they didn't do a lot in the draft to help him wide receiver wise. They got one, which was not the look it depends upon who you listen to. He wasn't one of the guys I would have taken that early, but who am I to judge? I wasn't crazy about the choice, but the point is he throws the ball, the other team way too much. Ball's been taking too long to come out get out of his hands. He's getting hit too much. And you know, it, it's just a guy comes flying out of the box. He's a world beater. He looks terrific. And we immediately anoint him as a great quarterback. Greatness is not determined in a season or two. It's determined over a career, unless it's a short career, like the late, great Gail Sayers, who we lost today, who I'm just going to lead into for a moment. The most electrifying broken field runner in the history of the National Football League. Simply breathtaking to watch. The Kansas Comet. It's time for the old report to step up. For you young kids, Gail Sayers uh, was from the University of Kansas, drafted by the Chicago Bears, played with Dick Butkus, if you know who that is, and Mike Ditka, and was a breathtaking player as a rookie. Absolutely, positively, the most amazing, electrifying, exciting, broken field runner I have ever seen in my lifetime in the National Football League. Not the best player or the best running back, because that was Jimmy Brown. But he was the most electrifying, broken field runner, could stop on a dime, could literally cut at full speed. It was amazing absolutely amazing he was a joy to watch and he literally lived up to his nickname because he flew across the gridiron like a comet and his career was like a comet because he hurt his knee in about halfway through what turned out to be halfway through his career he only played about six years and he hurt his knee which today obviously would have been much easier to repair but back then it was archaic and he was never the same. He, he was still terrific when he came back, but he was never the same. And he retired in, I believe, 1970 after only, I think, six years in which uh, he led the league in rushing a couple times. He scored uh, six touchdowns in a game his rookie season. He was breathtaking. Absolutely. Number 40, the Kansas Comet. We lost him to dementia uh, at 77, far too young. And you know, for those who don't remember as a football player, Uh, I would think many remember him being part of the greatest TV movie of the week in history, which was Brian's song, where uh, the story of him befriending uh, the late Brian Piccolo, who contracted cancer when he was with the Bears, white running back, black running back, roommates on the road, how they became friends, how their wives became friends. and. Back then, it was uncommon for blacks and whites to room together, and they became fast friends, and Billy Dee Williams and James Conn played them in the movie *Brian's Song, a movie that was on ABC's Movie of the Week, 90 minutes long, to the largest ratings in the history of television, a 48 share, which means 48% of the televisions that were on that night watched *Brian's Song. And for those of us who watched it, everybody cried, their families cried, my father cried, my mother cried, I cried. I was 12 years old. I knew the story because I was old enough to know what was going on. And here was this fabulous player who was best friends with this white running back who was basically a workaholic Uh Pete Banizak, you're too young to remember that. But you know, think, of, think of a running back who wasn't incredibly talented, but hard worker, good blocker, good receiver. And just when he had his chance to excel, he was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and Gail Sayers gave the speech uh, at the football awards ceremony uh, that night in which he talked about Piccolo's cancer that was depicted in the movie. And, you know, he passed, uh, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm guessing he was probably only 27, 28 years old, because I believe he passed away in 1970. So he could have been 128 years old. And, you know, the cast is memorable. Uh, Jack Warden played George Alice. As I said, James Conn played Brian Piccolo, Billy D. Williams played uh, the legendary Gail Sayers and uh, Bernie Casey who was already dabbling in acting a wide receiver for the Rams, was basically kind of like the team spokesperson uh, player, quasi coach, who was also one of the stars in the movie. And if he's a very good actor, but he was a wide receiver for the Rams. So he had already you know, delved into acting. It was an incredible movie, maybe a little hokey if you watch it now with those who don't have heart. But back then, I mean, it just brought you to your knees and sobbing. It was it was that heart it was that heart wrenching, it was that touching, and it put both of those actors on the map. And unfortunately for Sarris, his career ended shortly thereafter, um, because of uh, you know the knee injury, which he just could not play anymore. But he was without a doubt, in all my years of watching, I go back to 1965, which was the last year of Jimmy Brown. Who's was the greatest player I ever saw. Gail Sayers, with all due respect to Barry Sanders, was the greatest broken field runner I have ever seen in all of football. Absolutely breathtaking to watch. If you look at the films, they will mesmerize you. May he rest in peace at age 77.
0: Well said. And watch Brian's song and then piggyback that with Another film today that celebrates a 20 year anniversary in my favorite football movie and top sports movie of all time. Remember the Titans. Educate yourselves if you haven't already, folks. And if you have, enjoy them once more because they're worth it. So instead of yelling at NFL teams, we can also praise a couple teams after week two. And I think one game where you could certainly do both in. Was the big rematch down at the goal line, which we had to see the replays of and which I almost, and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Americans almost felt it in their wallets. Of course, the Patriots and Seahawks game, just an incredible thriller without Tom Brady as the quarterback. Now we spent time on this program. At least I remember I did. Hollering at the owners and the GMs of the National Football League for letting Cam Newton, after he was released from the Carolina Panthers, go home and basically sit in his own timeout while they looked at their garbage and trash quarterbacks that they were going to trot out for this season and said, Yeah, we'll be fine. While a former MVP in Cam Newton sat on his hands waiting for somebody to call him up. Well, who makes the call? Of course. Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. In between Tape and Subway commercials. Between that, between his owner going to the parlor, they had time to call Cam Newton and give him a shot for a million dollars.
1: Cam, I am. And he says, All right,
0: I'm in. And he looked phenomenal. Not only is he doing his thing running the football, hey, folks. He can throw the football and he's throwing it in an offense designed by the Belichick's, plural, we can say.
1: Ball's coming out quick.
0: He looked, I don't want to say vintage because he's what, 31 years old? He, he's not 38, but he looks terrific. He looks fantastic. And it just begs young. the
1: question what his, his are you looks, doing? His arm looks strong. The ball's coming out quick, it's coming out clean. You're seeing alleys and, and, and windows for him to throw in. We always, You know what my son always said about Brady? he doesn't, he, He's not a Brady fan. But he's always said, there's nobody near the guy. How is nobody near the guy? No, still one of the guys there's nobody within 10 yards. There of never him. is. Their schemes managed to get guys so wide open. It's amazing. When you watch the Patriots for years, whether it was – it did not matter who it was. Whether it's Gronk, whether it's Edelman, especially Edelman. How is Edelman so wide open all the time? He's not, you know, a nine two hundred guy. How is he getting so wide open? Well, I've always said, you know, why doesn't some genius defensive coordinator take his best cover guy and say, just follow him all over the field? I want him taken away. Why doesn't somebody try that once in a while? Those schemes are being run for Cam. I am, and he looks sharp. His drop back is quick. His release. It looks short. It looks clean. The ball's coming out with velocity. It's got spin on it. He's hitting guys in between the numbers. He's running when it's designed for him. He's making quick decisions. Obviously, the coaching has a great deal to do with it. But you know, we knew the talent was there. The question was health, 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 health. Looks healthy to me. And good for him. I'm happy for him. Yeah. He's stud, man. We know he's a monster. And he's got a coach that just, it seems, has
0: told him, hey, man, just go out and ball. Yeah. it's yep. He's now, at the one-yard line and the two-yard line, and he's going to just take the ball into the end zone or throw that it. It's up to him.
1: I did not like the last call, especially running to his left. They had done that all game. Did Seattle look slightly ready for it? Jump pass. Something. Tight end, drag it over the middle. The only run... What's him? It's the only potential run because it's empty. So nobody else is running the ball. Out of that formation, all you could expect was a jump pass. Or maybe roll right. I thought Sherry would roll right. Rolled left, right into the teeth of a defense that was ready and waiting. The play had no chance of success. Zero. There was nowhere to go. I'm going to give him a chance to do a couple different things there. It looked like there were eight guys Uh, swarming in on three blockers and him. And those numbers don't work.
0: I was shocked at the formation for a play call like that. I could understand if you said to him, Hey man, we'll put you in the shotgun. We'll give you a couple options. But if you want to take off, like you've been doing all game, please do. They're not going to stop you. But everybody, everybody watching the game knew what was coming on that play. It it was, it was bizarre, especially when they put the, people in motion are like, they
1: just did this last quarter. Leave, 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 Leave the split backs. You can do a shovel pass. You can do a quarterback draw. You can roll out with one of the backs leading and he can become a pass. He can become your receiver. Something. Russell
0: Wilson tears up the Patriots defense with five touchdowns. Pete Carroll almost once again made one of the worst coaching decisions you'll ever see. Third and one. In his own territory, but you don't want to give the ball back to Cam Newton and he has Russell Wilson wire the ball 40 to 50 yards down the field on, on just a streak incomplete. Give the ball back to cam. And I cannot believe what's happening because of course I have the Seahawks at four and a half and the score is them by five. And I'm like, this this game's over. Cam's gonna drive them down the field. What pressure does he have? There he goes. Down to the one. And by some miracle, Bill Belichick bails out America.
1: Anybody that well, to see. CR. That's probably not Belichick's call. I don't, yeah.
0: I, uh, <laughs> let's blame him for the segment, Al. And his beak mask that he was wearing a hundred percent incorrectly, but at least he won't get fined one hundred thousand like dollars for not Gruden. wearing a mask. Chomping gum, Pete Carroll. Good
1: for the good Fine. for the NFL. Good for the NFL loving those fines. Absolutely. Hammer. Yeah. They should know better. And John Gruden apologized. He said I should know better.
0: Quickly, too, you mentioned Drew Brees. Does not look great. It's obviously only week two, but unfortunately, he looks like Week sixteen, seventeen, Breeze sometimes does. The past couple of years in week two, he looks two,
1: like he looks like he looked at the end of last yeah, year. Yeah, he
0: does, and that's that's after playing a full season. Okay, old. maybe he's tired. He's old. It's week With two. A shot arm. It. He doesn't. It. It looks when he played Tom Brady for several plays throughout that night. It looks like when the two fathers that played high school ball at the local high school put on their letterman jackets and they went out to play the family game before Thanksgiving dinner and throw the pigskin around a little bit. And these two former quarterbacks that led their team to a state championship years ago from cross rival towns were like, let's go after it. And they start playing, thinking that they're 18 years old again. And James they Win- no longer. Jameis
1: Winston, get ready,
0: get ready. I'm so excited for the Jameis Winston era. In New Orleans. Keep Tyson mill on the sidelines. We don't need to see that. Give me Meanwhile, famous Jameis.
1: As we speak, in really one of the more exciting games of the bubble. The heat are, it looks like about to take a three, one lead against the Celtics after a scoreless first half for Jason Tatum. He has 28 points on the flip side. Tyler don't be a hero who had 15 points in the first half off the bench for the heat. Has thirty-five on fourteen for twenty-one shooting, five for ten from three, and six rebounds. So he has literally come off the bench, played thirty-five minutes, and the Heat are on the verge of going up three-one. The way the series has gone,
0: with arguably every game available to go the other direction.
1: Oh, okay. it's a tough series. This every every great team
0: series. could argue that they should have won the game that they lost. The heat up 3-1, do you give the Celtics any chance of being able absolutely. to win three
1: games? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I still think the Celtics, especially with Gordon Hayward back in the mix, if he's going to be able to play those kind of minutes, that means he's healthy. I really give them a chance, even down 3-1. Because look, the, the problem with me is a life of a Laker fan. I should health, hate these Celtics, and I don't. Because I like some of their players, I love Tatum. I think he's a brilliant player, and I love Jalen Brown, and I like Hayward. But I think Jalen Brown is. Oh. If I could, if if, I could, if we could ever get Jalen Brown out of the Lakers, I'd be dancing in the aisles. For them, is simple: more shots for Jalen Brown, less shots for Marcus Smart. I think they have the talent. I think they have the coaching. I think they have the skill set. But you know, you're gonna have to win one of these close games. The one thing about the Celtics is is their inside game is lacking. They don't have a real presence inside. And as a result, they take a lot of threes, a lot of threes. I think they take too many, but I think some of it is a result of the fact they really don't have an inside presence. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. For all our listeners out there, folks, NBA playoffs, down the stretch, we come in MLB and, of course, the ever-present NFL. But until next, we meet for my partner, the great John Tynion. I am Al Renato, a.k.a. Alpha White Plains. Have a great and safe sports week, everybody.